Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. Again, if you're a guest, thanks so much for being here today. My name's Tim. I get to be one of the pastors here. And as John said, we'd love to have the opportunity to meet you right after the service through these doors. And just thank you for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for all of you that are joining us online. If your normal uh, pattern is to join us on Facebook Live, you may have noticed that last week it was shut down. And that was not a result of us. Apparently, Facebook was doing some maintenance. So I called uh, called Zuckerberg. And I said... um, (laughs) If you're going to do maintenance, you need to do that on Monday morning, not on Sunday morning for all of us that broadcast in the church. But if that ever happens again, those of you that are watching online, just go to our website and you'll be able to follow the live stream right off of the platform that we use there. So great to have all of those people joining us as well as all of you that are here with us today. As we continue the sermon series we started last week, Blank Must Fall. And uh, last week, uh, we said that we're going to do this sermon series. We're going to do this deep dive into our lives. We're going to actually ask God to open our hearts, to be receptive of the things that have kind of kept us from living the, the Christian calling and the life that he invites us and compels us to live. And so if you were here last week, you might remember I asked you if you uh, could come up with the word that you would put in this line, what would that word be? And all of you came up with a word. In fact, uh, many of you in all three services, as I asked uh, for volunteers, uh, were very open and transparent and honest, which was very encouraging to us that you were willing to be vulnerable and even to say, hey, this is the thing that I struggle with, and this is the thing that I struggle with, and this is the thing that I've laid before the Lord. And so we hope that that's been an encouragement to you. As last week, we looked at fear. Because so often, fear is what grips our hearts and prevents us from stepping out in faith and and living the calling that God has actually called us to live. And uh, you might remember I put up the words, uh, just some of them. This is just a small sampling of the things that I struggle with in my personal life. Uh, And so I'm hoping that you have been able to kind of come to grips with that in your own life. Have you guys all had a chance to do that this week? Yes? Yes and no, a little bit, right? And you might be wondering, well, why are we doing this, right? Why are we addressing these things? We are actually addressing these things so that we can be free. We actually want you to be free from these things. We don't want you to be in bondage to them anymore. And, you know, you read scriptures like this, right? Jeremiah 17, 9, where it says, The heart is more deceitful than all else. Think about this. And is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I mean, we know the depravity of man. We know this fallen, sinful nature that we live in. In fact, in, in James, James, uh, James' uh, book of the Bible, he actually said that, that the tongue is a restless evil, think about this, full of deadly poison. Right, you put those two scriptures together. That's very encouraging this morning, isn't it? Think about that. That is the reality of your heart and my heart. In fact, Jesus actually puts the two together and he says, out of the heart, out of the heart, it starts in the heart, your mouth speaks. And the only way it gets to your tongue is by going through your brain first. So your heart then goes to your brain and you say things that you never thought you would say, but it's all a result of what is in our hearts. But I want you to imagine with me this morning that you can actually be free from whatever that thing is in your life. See, sometimes we get comfortable in the Christian walk and the Christian faith and we just say, well, you know what, I've been struggling this, you know, for decades. And and I've I've struggled with this thing since I was a kid or since I was a teenager, since I was a young adult. And I just have, I just don't know what to do and I've prayed about it and I've tried to give it over to the Lord and I've confessed it over and over again. again. But, you know, I've just kind of come accustomed that I guess I'm just going to have to live with this thing. Yet we believe that God is so powerful that even if you've been dealing with something for decades, God has the power to break that 
into your life. And guess where he starts with the breaking of that area? It begins in your heart. God has the ability to do it. And so I just encourage you to turn that over to him today, to be vulnerable before him once again, to lay it at his feet and watch what he can do. See, today we're going to be looking at something that's very, very important to all of us as we look at this next area of our lives that must fall. In fact, this next area of our lives is something that we're all obsessed with. Did you know that? This is the person that we spend the most time with. In fact, it's the person that we've spent the most money on. We obsess about this person. We do everything we can to create a certain image of this person. We view the world through this person. We listen to this person more than anybody else on the planet. In fact, we have been walking alongside this person our entire lives. Does anybody know who that person is? Wow, you guys are good this morning. Okay, some of you didn't know I brought a little prop with me to help you. Okay. It's like, this is what you look like while I'm up here, okay? <laughs> Quit playing on your phone, all right? See that? You guys all see, see yourself? Anybody not look in the mirror this morning when they got up? All right. What does it look like to say that self must fall? Why does self have to fall? What is it that Jesus says about these words? And we're going to look at that today. But before we do that, there's a passage in Psalms that I think just invites the Holy Spirit into this process once again this morning. And what I want to do as a church is I want to invite you to read this scripture along with me. And as we're reading this scripture, what we're doing is we're saying, God, we want to be open and vulnerable to you. We want you to speak to our hearts and to our lives today. And so if you're willing to do that this morning, if you want to go on that journey with me for the next 25 minutes, will you read the scripture with me? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, now, as we open our Bibles, as we look at our main text this morning, would you, would you do once again what only you can do is speak to us, to challenge us, to bring us closer to you because you love us so much and this is part of your plan for our lives. So God, continue to bless our time together this morning. In your name we pray, amen. amen. We're gonna be looking at Luke chapter nine and there's chair Bibles in front of you if you're in the front row that are underneath the seat. If you have your own Bible, Luke chapter nine beginning in verse 23. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, you're a guest with us this morning, we'd invite you to take one of these home with you today. We believe this is the best gift that we can give you uh, on behalf of our church. But page 867, and we're going to look at yet another teaching of Jesus. It says this in verse 23. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. 
It's kind of interesting if you just rewind back to our first verse this morning as Jesus is saying this not just to his disciples but everyone that had gathered there. If anyone wants to be a disciple, if you want to be a Christ follower, if you believe that I am from God and I am the Messiah, here's how you do this. This is how you live out this Christian call and this Christian faith that says, let him deny himself. How do you deny yourself? How do you do that? And this seems kind of contradictory, doesn't it? It seems kind of confusing because if you go to the first book of the Bible, if you go to the book of Genesis, it tells us that we're created in the image of God and that we're the only creation on the planet that's created in the image of God and that God was satisfied with his creation. In fact, he was overjoyed with his creation, that he has so much love for us. He was so excited to create mankind and that's what he does in the book of Genesis. You go to the Psalms and you read about how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, God wove us together in our mother's wombs and that he has a purpose and he has a destiny for each and every one of us and he's going to watch over us each and every day of our lives. And now, Jesus, you're on the scene and you tell us that we need to deny ourselves? What is that? What does that look like? And take up our cross daily and follow you. See, this is what Jesus is getting at because he knows the condition of the human heart. He knows the world that we live in. He knows the, the, the pressures that come in from all sides. He knows how easily it is to get fixated on the things of this world instead of on the things of God. That it all started in the garden with Adam and Eve and as sin entered the world and we began to be part of this process and now as sin continues to play its part in this world and in our lives that we would have to come to a point where we would actually look in a mirror and deny ourselves. To say, God, it's not about my will and my plan for my life. God, it's your will and your plan for my life. And then to take up a cross? Well, what, what is this all about? What's really interesting is that Jesus tells him this whole idea of taking up your cross just a, a short time before he's actually going to go to a cross. He's going to show them, and we're going to be born at a time where we're going to know that, that, that Christ has done this for us because it's been handed down to us, that Christ would go to a cross, that he would stretch out his arms for you and for me, even though he didn't sin, even though he didn't do anything wrong, that he would pay for, for our sins, that he would pay a penalty that we couldn't pay for ourselves, that you and I could have life that he would either place us in Christian homes and he would save us in our baptisms or at some point in our lives he would allow someone to cross paths with us where we would hear the gospel and we would respond to the gospel and God would awaken faith in our hearts and our lives that we could be his children, that he delights in, that he loves. That's you and me. See, this whole sermon series isn't about our salvation. This isn't about coming to Christ. This is about living this Christian walk and, and, and faith that he's called us to live. That we deny ourselves because he knows the pressures that we face each and every day and the tug that the world has on us to be obsessed with self. He says, you want to be my disciple? Watch. Watch what I do. Watch how I go through these steps. Maybe here's another easier way to say this this morning. If you want to follow me, you actually have to follow me. You ever met people that say, well, I go to church follower of Jesus, and then they do nothing to follow Jesus. And you go, what are you following? Right? I get it. God saved you, but what does that Christian life look like for you? What does that Christian look like for you? In fact, Jesus goes on to say, but whoever would save his life, whoever would try to build a kingdom here on this earth, whoever would do whatever they could to make things comfortable for themselves will lose it. But if you let go 
If you're bold enough and you're, dare, and you're daring enough to say, God, I, I, I want to do your will. I want to I live in your reality for my life. Whoever loses his life for my sake, you'll save it. You'll go on this incredible journey. You'll, you'll live this life that, that maybe at times doesn't make sense, and, and God's going to call you to do things that, that at times just seem crazy. And he's going to ask you to make sacrifices that, that, that don't really line up with your, with your human nature, and so you're going to battle that. But as you step out in faith, as you be obedient to God, all of a sudden he's going to show you that he's using you because it's all part of a greater purpose and plan for your life. And what does that look like? Why do we keep getting caught up in the things of this world? What is it that keeps us from being a disciple of Jesus? It's easy. Let's go back to the list. Go back to your list. Look at the things that prevent us from the life that he's called us into. It's interesting that he continues to say, for what does it profit a man? You can gain the whole world, everything. You would have everything at your disposal and yet lose or forfeit himself. Or in other accounts, that you would forfeit your soul. That you would give it all up. That at some point you become so obsessed with the things of this world that you actually turn away from God. And say, God, you know, I'm kind of in a comfortable place now. I don't really know if I need you anymore. I kind of got everything set up the way that I have it set up. And I'm perfectly fine with where I'm at. And that's a pretty scary place to be. I told you last week that I had an opportunity to do some camping trips uh, just this last month in July. And uh, one of the camping trips that I do every year is with a really close friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for years. We've gone on several vacations together. I mean, I even, Lisa and I even went on their honeymoon with them. Okay, that's how close we are. <laughs> and you say, that's odd. Well, they're Canadian, okay? So that'll explain it, right? We're close. We have a really close, and, and it's, it's a father-son camping weekend, so he brings his son, and I have my two sons, and, uh, you know, we always have these, like, in-depth conversations late at night around a bonfire, which are always a good place to have an in-depth conversation, right? And he'll be asking me questions, and I'll be asking him questions, and uh, he, he's been a very successful businessman. Like, I'm, I'm very proud of him, the same age as I am, and he's worked hard for everything that he has, and he's actually gotten to a point now at the young age of 41 where he's actually financially set. He doesn't need to make any more money. He could actually sell his business and he could retire and live a, a, a wonderful life for the rest of his life. I mean, isn't that cool? I'm like, you realize you're part of like 0.01% of the population. In fact, uh, he was rated uh, one of the top three most sex successful businessmen in all of Ontario. I mean, he, he just has a mind and he's so driven and so passionate and what he does. And we're sitting there and we're talking about things and I just said to him, I said, where does that drive come from? I mean, why, why are you so passionate about your business and being successful? And without hesitation, he just shot back and he said, money. And I said, money? He said, yeah, I like making money. I like seeing how much money I can make. And I go, what are you doing with all of that money? He goes, I buy stuff, right? I don't ever question, I don't ever have to wonder. I, I can, if there's something I want or something my wife wants, something my kids want, we can just go and buy it. And I'm like, man, do you realize the, the, the amount of influence that you have? The amount of influence that you have, and believe it or not, I even said to him, I said, man, what does that look like for you to own your influence? Right, isn't it fun to preach on a bonfire, right? Own your influence. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, own my influence? Like, I'm a businessman, this is what I do. I do. I'm like, man, you just think about what God has done for you. He's like, no, I've worked hard for this. No, think about what God has done 
for you. No, I've worked hard for this. And it's that tension and trying to help him navigate through that. But what about for us, right? We get so obsessed with the things of this world and trying to build these kingdoms on earth and make everything so comfortable in the here and now, and yet here comes Jesus, who calls us into a completely different lifestyle, calls us into a completely different realm. In fact, oftentimes the biggest hurdle in our Christian walk is ourself. Would you agree this morning? Sometimes we're the ones that get in the way of what God wants to do in and through us to reach other people, to do the calling that he's called on our lives, the Great Commission, right? To go and to share his love with others. Think of the self-exaltation that we do, right? I want to be in the spotlight. I want to be liked. I want to be popular. I want to be famous. I want everyone to notice me. I want people to give me credit for what I've done. Think of the selfishness that we deal with, right? How much money and time and energy we actually spend on ourselves, from clothes to purses. It's, that's the Holy Spirit right there. <laughs> to shoes, right? All right, I'll pick on the guys. To toys, right? To tools, to whatever that, to car, whatever that is. What is it that, that we get so fixated and we get so focused on and we will save and we'll do everything we can for ourselves to make ourselves happy? How about self-preservation? Right? Squirreling all this money away and then we squirrel all this money away and we have all this influence financially, but then what? What do we do with it? I'll give you a dollar, God. There you go. Right? I mean, what are we doing with that? How about self-revenge? If you look at the list, how many people get caught up in this? They are still dealing with unforgiveness. They're still dealing with bitterness. They still can't get over somebody that offended them a long time ago. And we've talked about this before as a church. Man, how many sleepless nights do you have to have? How many nights do you go with unforgiveness in your hearts and your lives? When are you going to go and address that brother or sister and sit down and have an opportunity for that person to reconcile so that you're not caught in that trap of bitterness and revenge and rage and anger anymore? Man, do a deep dive in your heart and your life. In fact, if you go over to 1 John, he, this is what he says. He says it this way. Do not love the world or the things in the world. I don't know about you, sometimes I read the Bible and you read one sentence and you are gone for three days. Anybody, do you, like, I, I read this sentence and I go, this seems so, it just seems so difficult. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Warning, right? This is our warning. This is like a grace Warning from God. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here's the three things, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it is from the world. Hey, and here's a reminder. The world, guess what? It's passing away. You and I were passing away. Our time here on earth really isn't that long. In fact, we're just a mist that appears for a moment and then we're gone. Our lives are so short, it's passing away with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. God, how do we keep an eternal perspective? How do we look through the, the world, not through our own selfish eyes in the mirror, but God, how do we look through the world through your eyes and your perspective and what it is that you have called us to do? Isn't it interesting as you break down these three desires, the desires of the flesh, lust, as we look out and, and, and we want to be like other people and we, and we want to desire those things, 
or the desires of the eyes as we see what other people have. And so often this leads into coveting. And so we look at other families and maybe it's another husband or wife. Or we look at their possessions and so we covet those things. Or even this pride of life, which often people will call the pride of possessions. Because we've gotten ourselves to a point where we're secure. We've gotten to ourselves where we're pretty comfortable and God's poking at that and saying, hey man, I, I helped you get to that point. Let's, let's, let, let's let loose. Let's see what I can do. Like, let's just live a little generously and see what God can do in and through me. God, how do we keep this eternal perspective in our hearts and our lives? See, self will always leave you with less. Doesn't make sense, does it? That's not a worldly value, that's a Christian value. But yet, Christ will always leave you with more. Do you believe that this morning? The more you accumulate, the more that you're able to, to kind of make your life comfortable, will actually leave you with less, but Christ is the one who will always give you more. Because there's a peace that Christ gives you that only he can give. There's an assurance that he gives you as you step out in faith and as you walk in his will and his plan for your life. Isn't it interesting that every single day, every single day, we have the opportunity to take up the mission of Christ. What does that look like for you? Start with your daily routine. When you wake up tomorrow morning, what's the first thing that you do? It's the very first thing that you do, right? Do you make the mistakes that I make? Sometimes I wake up in the morning because my cell phone's next to the nightstand, I'll check my email. It's a terrible idea. Why am I checking my email first thing in the morning? Or I'll go on social media, another terrible idea. What, do I care what people did at three in the morning the night before? What is wrong with me? But imagine waking up in the morning and just taking a knee by our bed and saying, God, today, not my will, but yours. I have my agenda, I have my calendar, I have meetings, I have appointments, I have things that I need to do today. But man, how can I, God, surrender even this to you? Because maybe some of these calendar appointments, maybe some of these meetings that I have that you actually want to do something different in them, that you actually want me to speak into the hearts and the lives of the people that you allow me to cross paths with. God, help me today to do your will and not mine. Help me to die to self today, God. What would it look like during the lunch break or around the lunch hour for those of you that work through your lunch break, right? Where for five seconds you just stop and you say, God, I want to realign myself today. God, what does that look like to just say, God, help me for the next half of the day to stay focused on you and your agenda and your plan for my life? And imagine if it was part of our daily routine that at night when we put our head on the pillow that we say, God, as we look back, we know we didn't get it right. We know we didn't do everything we were supposed to do. But God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for providing for my needs once again today. And God, as I go to sleep tonight and wake up the next morning, God, help me once again to walk into your wills and to walk in your way. What does that look like for us as followers of Jesus? See, sometimes we need to be moved to action. We need to be compelled to move into what God would call us to do. And we've said this many times before, but we need to keep hearing it over and over and over again. Do you know that generosity is what breaks the stronghold of greed in your life? That being generous actually affects your heart as you open up and you live open-handedly before God. And you allow him and you trust him with what he has given you. Isn't it interesting that in another portion of scripture that Jesus said this, he didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. Jesus actually said where your treasure is, there your heart will be what? Also. 
your heart will be also. What are we doing with what God has blessed us with? And then believe it or not, serving actually breaks the stronghold of selfishness in our lives. Why? Because we're not looking in the mirror anymore. That we would go out and that we would serve and that we would take time, the most precious commodity that we have on this planet. In fact, the friend that I was telling you about at the bonfire, he wants to go on a mission trip. He keeps telling me, the next mission trip you go on, I'm going, I can't wait to take him. And I'm going to have all of you praying for him, that God is just going to wreck his world and do something in his life that's going to be amazing. I can't wait. I love this kid. He's one of, trust me, he's one of my best friends, and I know that God continues to work in his life. But man, serving, think about that. What is that for you? Where does God need to break that in your heart, in your life, to get you off the mirror? and on to others. And as you heard John say earlier in the service, say, we, we've been giving you these practical ways to, to be able to do this because guess what? This is the crazy part of the Christian life that as you, as you do these things, that you actually are blessed by it. In fact, you're more blessed than the person receiving the blessing. And this is the part that doesn't make sense to me in the Christian walk in faith. God, as I'm generous with others, you're actually gonna bless me even more. As I serve others, you're actually going to help and give me peace and, and, and just fill me with kindness and joy and all the fruits of the Spirit by stepping out in faith and helping somebody else. Maybe it's like Mary Zimmerman, right, who posted this on Facebook, who said, you know what, I, I can do the teacher supplies. I'll go to one of these stores with my son so I pass it down to the next generation and we'll fill our cart up with a bunch of school supplies so that we can just go and we can just bless school teachers. How cool is that? Or maybe as you saw the video with Bill and Ellen Gass, who have done incredible work, 21 years of working in Honduras. 21 years. They're retired school teachers and now they're retired farmers. They have a farm in Romeo and they're only using about 10% of their farm right now and so funds have kind of dried up for their mission but yet God continues to pour out his blessings in their lives and they have no plan to stop going to Honduras. They want to keep fueling this mission and I've actually said as Bill builds these houses, 64 homes, Ellen actually has the harder job. Did you know that? Or, or builds the schools. She has the harder job because you've got to somehow figure out how to resource 64 schools, right? Here's one of the communities, and I got the opportunity to go and to see this all firsthand this last February. Here's one of the communities that they minister in. And that home, most people don't have homes that have cinder blocks. Most of them have, you know, um, they're, they're just sheets of wood or metal. But the reason they have blocks is because Bill and Ellen took a team from Shepherd's Gate several years ago and they went and they built these homes. And this is inside, so you can see the kitchen. And in case you're wondering, that's a $40,000 uh, you know, kitchen right there, okay? That, that's, uh, that's an incredible place. They got, look at the granite counters, right? <laughs> they have the nice coasters, right? No. These people have a short life expectancy because they're always breathing in these fumes with these logs and these wood and all this other stuff. But here comes Bill and Ellen, right? Willing to step out, willing to not look at self and look at others. And they put this beautiful school in the middle of nowhere, and I don't know if you can zoom in on this picture, if you guys can see this. Can you guys see what the pictures are on the side of the school building? There are pine trees, which they don't have there. And there's a snowman. And who? It's a Disney movie. What is it? Olaf and who else? From which movie? Frozen. How many of you have seen Frozen? This school teacher, this young school teacher, took her own money, bought paint, and did this so the kids would have a really cool school to go to. And they took us inside the school and they, and they showed us, the, this, is the, this is the kid's toy table. 
which, by the way, the kids don't have toys in this community. All the toys are kept at the school. And as I went there and I said, this is crazy. You're telling me that this is all the toys that they have? And she said, yeah, this is all the toys they have. They don't let them leave the school because if they do, they'll disappear. And I'm thinking to myself, my boys have probably five or six bins of this stuff in her basement. And as John challenged you, imagine what you could do. Imagine some of you. You might be saying, okay, here we go again. Here's the pitch for money. I'm not asking you to give it to Shepherd's Gate, right? I'm off the hook this morning. Go give it, go do the teacher kits. Go do the Honduras stuff. Go do something, man. Be compelled to action if that's an area of your life that the Holy Spirit is addressing. Go and talk to Bill and Ellen after the service and see what you can do and watch, again, watch what it is that God does in your heart as he releases that in your life as we let go of self and we cling to Christ and his purpose and his plans for our life. And I think we can do it. I think every one of these needs that has been placed on Ron and his team, because they're the ones that put this all together, they're the ones that have the huge, audacious goal of having 500 volunteers, it all has been driven from our congregation, members of our church. This isn't a staff-driven thing, this is a member-driven thing, and we're so proud of them. And we believe that God, through his Holy Spirit, because that's where it has to come from, not from me, it's got to come from the Holy Spirit laying it on your heart and your life. Say, man, I want to be part of something greater than myself. I want to be part of something bigger than myself. And God, I believe that you can do it. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we do thank you. God, that you're so gracious and generous with us. God, that we have people that we're connected with in our community, that we have school districts and schools and teachers that have already been identified, God, that need help, that we could resource teachers who then turn around and resource students. God, thank you that you've put us in a position that we could have that kind of influence. God, we thank you for what you're doing in Honduras. We thank you for the ministry that's taking place there, and we know that those are your children as well. So God, would you, once again, Reveal to us in our hearts and our lives what it is that we can do, the part that we can play, that God, we would deny ourselves, that we would take up our cross daily and that we would follow you. God, we love you and we thank you. Continue to do what only you can do in our hearts, in our lives, and in our church. It's in your son's most holy and precious name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I want you to listen to this closing song this morning. And I want to let you know one of the changes that we announced last week is that the prayer partners are actually going to be available at the back of the service during the closing song. And so if you need prayer this morning, if there's one of these issues that maybe you're really struggling with, you need somebody else to come alongside with you, they would love to pray with you. And so they'll be all along the back. But let's sing this closing song together this morning.